Hello, everybody, and welcome to Two Crows Frightening Frowen. We have Lee with us again. And What's up? She, yeah. She gets to listen <laughs> to me talk at her. <laughs> but we'll the go best. through a little more intro this time of, of who Lee is. Lee, tell us about yourself. Oh, no. Ah! <laughs> I was not prepared for that. Okay, tell us about your week. Uh, How about that? <laughs> My week. Let's see. Uh, I've been working on podcasts this week, and I just got back from dog sitting for like two weeks. So I was like enjoying kind of being in a slightly more comfortable space with my cat. And um, yeah, it's been pretty mellow. I've been watching The Righteous Gemstones, which deadpan humor. I haven't even heard of that one. Yeah, it, there's like the like this one scene that stands out as a good example of like it's like shows these guys like working out and the guys like being spotted by his buddy, and uh, he looks up and the view is you can like see balls hanging over the work shorts. It just it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me want balls. <laughs> <laughs> just for that, just for surprise. Just, yeah, just, just like for the dangle. Just for when, like, guys are hitting on me, and I can just, like, here's my balls. Yeah. And then, Oh, and I've been getting stuff ready for my shop, because I made a shit ton of stuff in the last couple of weeks. I didn't realize how much stuff I made, and then I started taking pictures. I was like, oh, my God. Show uh, us your necklace. My necklace. It's hard it's to so see. It's so pretty. This is resin that I did, like, mica powder and did, like, the rainbow. Ugh. And I have a bunch of different ones. And then I... I Pulled these out just to show off in case, like, I had the chance. Those ones, yes. Yeah. So these are polymer clay that I put, like, resin on top, which gives it that, like, cool finish. Um, so, yeah, I'm really happy with how those how those turned out. They're on my shop now. We'll plug that in. <laughs> the description. <laughs> my so, Etsy shop about- isn't as exciting because it's just uh, my logo right now <laughs> on items. Yeah, but it's such a... It's such a cool logo. I sent in a lot of uh, revisions for that logo, and I still want one more. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to have it, so it's my Virgo brain wanted to do everything to it and make it as perfect as possible. But I know it's good enough. <laughs> yeah, it looks it looks really good. I think, but I understand. I would. I yeah. Yeah. I understand. My brain has thoughts, and the other person can't see them. Yep. <laughs> why can't Why can't body do what brain want done? Why need other body to do what, <laughs> you know? Exactly. And this brain can't do it. It can see things. Yeah. But it can't put it into effect anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I can't visualize very well, so I get concepts, but I can't make them into a visual reality like like drawing is very hard for me and stuff and so I rely on other people and so I have to give them the concept and then be like no that doesn't feel right like everything is feeling you know and I'm like I wish that I had the visual because it'd be so much easier and I feel like I would actually be able to create a lot of the stuff on my own if if I could you know do you feel like it's easier for you with things that you mold and create rather than drawing because like you do a lot of art and it's all awesome yeah. it's all abstract too it's totally like like uh I want it to feel a certain way mm-hmm. and I know how I want it to feel and I've only had a couple pieces of art come out 
right, which makes me feel like I'm learning, I'm getting mm-hmm. better because I'm starting to be able to control the paint and stuff. Um, and that's really exciting. But yeah, like I don't do any, like all the clay stuff I do, I do use cutters and stuff. I might start sculpting my own shapes at some point, but I'm not, I'm not there yet. Or designing um, your own cutters too. Yeah. Like find someone with a 3D printer because mm-hmm. I have no interest in fighting with 3D printers. I like, have one. Are... I don't know how to use it. <laughs> They're so finicky and stuff, and I have mad respect for people that have the patience to get it to work, or who get really lucky and get one that work out of the box. Yes. Mine came with Chinese instructions, so I'm trying to figure... (laughs) (laughs) There there are robust groups online, like on Reddit and stuff, for Mm -hmm. pretty much like every model, and they are really helpful, so if you do decide to get into it, you can probably get people that'll be, or you may just find the conversation that gives you the information you need, but I got one for my son, and um, it had good reviews from a friend of mine, um, and looked pretty good, like, when I looked in the community, but he was never able to get the material to adhere to the plate, no matter what he tried. He tried every single thing that people suggested, that the company suggested, like, modified it, and it never worked for him and I was just like yeah I I do not have a good temper for those kind of frustrations so Mm -hmm. I'm gonna pass oh me either friend Um, (laughs) I was getting frustrated earlier just trying to figure out how to edit one of my items in Etsy (laughs) because it it carried over wonky but then I realized that it put it in there twice as well and once it was correct and the other one was way wrong that's weird it had put the blanket that I have in there at $100, which is not $100. And it put it, like, the description was all weird and the picture was wrong. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I was getting so frustrated. And then I saw that there was another listing for it, but it was correct. And I'm like, I'm just deleting this. I'm not going to try to yeah. work with this anymore. But no, it's my odd. blanket is not $100, guys. If you want to be cozy. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even see the blanket when I was looking. I was like, ooh, blanket, because I was looking at the tote. And, you know, I was like, I'm not going to, I got to get the mug, probably going to get a tote. I always, you can't have too many blankets. So, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Yeah. I want all of, that's the funny thing. Everything I put on my shop, I also want all of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like shopping while I was doing it and I'm going to order okay. everything. So when you buy gifts for people, do you buy stuff that you think is cool or do you buy stuff knowing that it's something the other person will think is cool? For me personally, buying gifts for other people, my love language is gifts, and I like finding things that that person would find cool or reminds me of them or is sentimental to something with us. Whether or not they actually think it's cool when it arrives is a whole other story, but <laughs> that's what I try to do. Yeah. I feel like 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 the tism is giving me like a superpower for gift giving because like I like pay so such close attention to all these details about other people and so like mm-hmm. my son says that um I give like really good gifts like he doesn't ever like worry about that his other parent like she will um give stuff that's like what what like you know what why and, did this make you, you know, think of me <laughs> yeah like there's doesn't really feel like there's any effort really involved and it like hurts his feelings a lot so mm-hmm. Um, like he would rather get nothing than get something that feels like symbolic of not thinking at all. Um, but then he's like, yeah, with you, I don't have to worry about that. You always like find something like, you know, it's not always easy. I'd spend the whole year thinking about it. 
<laughs> especially since he's an adult he buys his own shit now like that's you hard know? yeah even when they're teenagers that's hard because once yeah. they get a job or whatever they can't keep money in their wallets <laughs> so they buy whatever <laughs> they want yep so but so how was your week uh, my week was okay-ish I mean, I feel proud of myself that the podcast officially launched today with the day that we're filming, which is 8-7-2023, and I've had a lot of people already listen, and uh, the number one feedback I've gotten is, your voice sounds really jazzy. (laughs) (laughs) And I appreciate that. I promise you, not every episode will my voice sound jazzy, because when I get super excited, it changes, but... Yeah, there was a section where it did where your cadence changed because it sounded like you got like focused on the topic and mm-hmm. then kind of, you know, so I was like, oh, cool. I totally identify with that. You know? <laughs> and I cannot control it. I'm not going to pretend that I can just keep it jazzy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> keep it jazzy. <laughs> I also can't guarantee that between me stopping recording and going to the bathroom and coming back that it's not going to change either. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Like, every time I pause, I'll be like, wait, what? You know, like, because I pause you to collect my thoughts or because the cat's doing something. And then, like, I come back and I'm like, you know, whatever mood I, I'm now in. Mm-hmm. These ones, though, with you, we continuously record. And I do not edit unless there's, like, a long pause where we do end up going to the bathroom. But even then, maybe I'll just give you some time to ponder. Yeah. I'll just <laughs> I can, like, sing very poorly while you're in the bathroom and then vice versa. We'll take turns. You sing better than me. Oh, no. We can duet. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, But, yeah, my week. So, last Friday, I got a letter from my work saying that I was terminated my employment because I quit which is not the case, but, um, so now I'm gung-ho in this project. (laughs) Yeah. It feels like one of the podcasts that I listen to, um, true crime all the time, T-Cat, uh, that happened to him when they first started recording. Uh, he lost his job and it was a layoff. Uh, I think he was working for like USPS or something and they, oh no, it was something else, but it's like that. It was like that. And he lost his job and went gung-ho into his podcast, and it's amazing. So maybe I'll have some of them Mike and Gibby rub off on me. So. That, that would be amazing if, like, it just, you just slid into your other, into your other passions and just, like, you know, because it would be so supportive of so many things going on because then, like, you know, you could be flexible because of your mm-hmm. health stuff and just take that stress away, which, of course, is really important for the mass cell, just yeah. to not just to not have that stress. And that's what's so. hard is like my job that I had, which I've been doing for five years now. Um, I only had it with this company for 10 months. And so I'm not protected by FMLA. So all my health problems, I was protected by short-term disability, but my doctor not sending in my stuff in time is why I got terminated. And I had no protection because I hadn't been there a year. And yeah. so I loved my job. I loved, even though it was a horrible time to be in the mortgage industry, (laughs) it was actually really fun, and I will miss that, and I may get back into it in the future, but I am excited to um, do all the things I was already going to do while working. So I was already going to be opening up escape rooms in my town, and I was already going to open up uh, like a selfie museum 
and some other things. So I'm excited to, to go for it. And I have some meetings today with a small business association uh, for some grant opportunities for that. So I'm excited. That's awesome. I love it. I love yeah. that you're just just doing it. And I want a haunted house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want I know, to that would make people. me. That would make me wish like live closer because then I could do clown stuff there just yes. just sometimes for fun, you know. Uh, well, you should do that anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm going to ask real quick technical question. Do you yeah. hear any wind noise coming through? I don't hear cool? anything. Cuz I have the I have the overhead fan on and I just want to make sure. It's pretty um, I don't hear anything. It's pretty directional and I've tested that out with mine too cuz my fan blows like over in this corner but it's on the other side of my mic so it doesn't have sound you guys can correct me if I'm wrong but I don't hear it yeah I noticed when um when I was processing the the sound file for my podcast with yours that it was totally quiet yeah it was it was uh identical to mine when I was like looking at even the the thingies yeah the, the visual <laughs> representations of the sound. I know there's a technical word for that, and I don't know what it is, so I just keep referring to it as the visual representation of the sound. Uh, I think that's <laughs> accurate, and I would yeah. say that's better than my uh, ups and downs. Woos! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think visual representation makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's not like, it's like sonogram or something, but not. It's not that word. It's But it's one yeah, of those kind of words. Some sort of uh, flowy uh, wave thing. Yeah, like audio wave or I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those things. Cool. Oh, man. What are you, what is the, what are you drinking? Uh, this is not um, paid for by them. I am drinking whatever that stands for. <laughs> Wild is it, is it, orange. A D? Zoa, Zoa, Zod, Zoa. I don't know what the triangle is. If it's a D or an A or a. Yeah, I was wondering if it was for Delta, so it'd be like a D. But I don't. Mm. It's not. Is this supposed to be up? I don't remember. I don't know. Zero sugar energy drink. It's my Ah. second one today. (laughs) (laughs) My finished one is here. (laughs) Nice. I can't do. I can do coffee, but I can't do energy drinks. I don't know what. I can do, like, if it's just caffeine energy drinks, but if they have the other stuff in them. These bad, don't. Bad. Uh, these are, like, green tea, I think. Caffeine. Oh, natural. I have potassium. I need that. Potassium. <laughs> um, I think it's from tea. Uh, I don't know. Gif. There's a gif, and it's, like, a banana with a face, so it's, like, potassium intensifies, and now I have that in my head. <laughs> And yeah, and I, it also reminds me every time I'm eating a banana now of that stained glass that you want. Yeah, so. oh my god, it's gonna be so. It's gonna make it like worth living in an RV to have one of those banana stained glass. That's right, oh banana Furby. Yes. Oh yeah, I forgot it was a Furby. In my head, yeah. I was thinking like a really dirty banana sticking out his banana parts. In my <laughs> banana butt. Oh, God. (laughs) Should I tell that story now? (laughs) You told, oh, you told, you told on, wait. TikTok. I think I told on TikTok. No, you told it, you you told on the last episode. Oh, never mind. Then you guys don't need to know my banana butt story. You need to listen to that. You already know it. You already know it. I just want to tell it to everybody. (laughs) Yeah. 
it's I, just gonna be an ongoing thing that like my brain i just the words are there and it but they ended up but guy i can't remember if it's man or guy now but both yeah. banana butt guy man <laughs> man guy guy man oh my goodness all right do you i didn't look up any weird news today let me see. I'll, like, I'll look. I'll look it up real do quick. Do like do like weird news. Like Google, just weird news. First weird thing comes up. News. Hopefully, it's not the one I already did. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Clicking on that one. Hank the Tank, the bear behind Twenty One Home Invasions, has been captured near Lake Tahoe. <laughs> <laughs> He's been like getting into trouble, man. Like- this is on NPR, and it says, A large black bear who is believed to be a notorious bandit and a hungry, uninvited houseguest was apprehended by wildlife biologists on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Authorities in the town of South Lake Tahoe, California, have been on the lookout for exceptionally large animals since February 2022. Oh, he's been on it for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After they reported that one single male bear had been the cause of 152 reports of conflict behavior, including 28 home break-ins, they referred to the animal as Hank the Tank. (laughs) How have I not heard of him? (laughs) I've seen a couple articles, but I hadn't seen that one yet that they'd caught him. It's closer to you, so that makes sense why you'd be seeing more articles. Yeah, I I also saw an article about a I think it was a brown bear and it was in the zoo in like China or something and when it stands up it looks like a person in a bear suit so now the zoo is like fielding off accusations that their bear is not a real bear and that is actually like one of their employees in the suit it's like really funny where is that key, it's like in China or something I I will look up the article and send it to you but it's it's like hilarious because they're literally just getting like all these accusations and having to be like no it's a real bear because when it stands up you know like when bears stand up they look very human Mm -hmm. and this particular one's not a big round chubby one and so it does kind of look like it's wearing a bear suit but it's a it's not a person it's a bear like (laughs) oh this article it's even more appropriate for this particular segment of the podcast DNA testing confirmed that the bear captured on Friday, who is formerly known as Bear 64F, was a female behind at least 21 (laughs) cases of breaking and entering. (laughs) So So Hank the Tank's a female. Yes. Hank is awesome. (laughs) Awesome, Hank. I am proud of you. The agency (laughs) typically. Oh, oh no! typically euthanizes oh no but they did not euthanize hank <laughs> what did t- <laughs> it said they typically euthanize problematic animals that are causing harm and i'm like that's that's not it's not the bear's fault you guys took over its habitat <laughs> <laughs> and you left food right out for the bear <laughs> right they do get really good at like because it's standard in those areas to have like locks and stuff on your garbage cans mm-hmm. and they get even then they still get into them they've got yeah, so the, smart so the bear that's not a person in a bear costume is in china it's a sun bear His oh those are Ky- okay Kyra. those are skinnier right yeah 
Kyra. It's so it's so funny. It's just such a funny, like, weird. I love, like, because we have, like, all these really insane things happening all around the world that are, like, a lot, right? And then there are these little petty just things that people get really fixated on. And I, like, I love those. They're so mm-hmm. funny to me. They are. And it, it kind of just adds a little bit of light to the dark world. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I like to share yeah. them on here. <laughs> Because they're hilarious and they make me giggle. Like anytime I'm like really upset, I look up funny news or good news. <laughs> like there's yeah. always interesting things going on in the world that we don't hear about. I wish it was part a normal part of newscasting that they included stuff like that. I think like you know the reliance on the negative and the hysteria and stuff is is just awful for everybody psychologically. You know. It should be, like, a mandated percent of the news had to be positive. Yeah. Because there's so many positive, good things. Positive, interesting, quinky-dink, like, yeah. anything, you know? That's not negative. Yeah. Life-altering. <laughs> I want to know more about the aliens that our government is uh, alluding to. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I love, like, I've been seeing, like, tweets and stuff, and there's, like, well, look at the guy's eyes. He's clearly crazy, and blah, blah, blah. He doesn't. And I'm like, dude, if you knew something that most of the world didn't know, and you knew that you were under a threat, like, personal safety, if you shared it, and, it, like, wouldn't you look a little bit crazy, too? Like, you know, who's to say the reason for why he has, like, that particular stressed expression? Like, mm-hmm. I'm very, like, it, it could be... It could be true or or it's not true. Like I believe alien life exists. Like we whether or not the proof is here yet, you know, that's it wouldn't surprise me if it was hidden from us, but at the same time, or like, how it sentient it is too. Yeah. So it's you know, it's it's uh I'm just kinda like it could be or not, you know. But somewhere out there there are lots of other species. Yeah. You know, doing stuff. Exactly. And who's to say what we have suppressed becoming more, I guess, humanoid in thought or in different ways of being intelligent, like what species we've suppressed from doing that just based on how we treat animals. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because there's been many others that if, because like we as a species, we're very greedy we're very aggressive because of that greed and so we just wipe everything out and there are other species that could have evolved here if we hadn't evolved that maybe would not have been so competitive and would have succeeded in the long run without the our competition with us um in a way that we cannot like we're a failed experiment the greed unless we can like genetically remove the greed we're we're done for oh yeah you know and i feel like any side of the coin would agree that we're killing ourselves (laughs) and everything else that shouldn't have to rely on us keeping it alive right right (sighs) we're lovely on the planet that we live on (laughs) i know people complain about cockroaches and i'm like yeah but we're worse oh my gosh yeah (laughs) cockroaches don't really do that much they help they help with the ecosystem we break the ecosystem yeah, and the difference is we're not going to survive an apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Maybe they're actually super intelligent and they're just laying low until we're gone. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they have like they have like server rooms and their whole like own network using like a technology we're not capable of like sensing yet and like they're just waiting it out in their bunkers and just being like, Yeah, eventually And they're we'll saving and... like DNA from different animals they do wanna bring back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we're well, this not. one's particularly particularly tasty when it dies. Let's make sure we keep that one around. <laughs> that one's poop is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that's hilarious! All right, should I start my story? Let's do it. Woo woo! All right, <laughs> this one is an amazing woman that I learned about probably a year and a half ago and the day that I learned about her I'm like she needs to be on my podcast that I eventually do in the future (laughs) and this was going to be my first one and then that other one came into my head and I just couldn't stop thinking about her so I had to yeah I had to do that one Uh, and I even talked to some other people after we recorded that last one about her and people I thought would know who she was had no idea I'm like you historians are not very historical (laughs) (laughs) that shows just how horrible our education system is and this is another one that should have been taught because we learn all about this industry in school i forget what grade i think like fourth or fifth grade but we did not learn about her so her name is judith love cohen and she was born august 16th 1933 in brooklyn new york um, to a jewish family mother sarah um, sorry, Mother Sarah Cohen and Father Morris Cohen. Um, she had a lot of support in her household. I it was kind of refreshing to not see any abuse or any like negative things going on in her house. I know we love trauma, but uh, her parents were great and they actually supported her in doing whatever she wanted to do. Uh, she was super passionate about both math and dance. <laughs> Which I guess dance is mathematical. <laughs> but she loved, loved ballet. And so her parents really supported her and did whatever they could to get her into those programs. And by the time she was 10, her classmates were paying her to do their homework in math. And she was, she wanted to, especially if they're in different math classes from her, because she wanted to be challenged and wanted new problems to solve and different things to do. And she was challenging herself and getting paid for it. So why not? <laughs> right don't know if she told her parents that part but (laughs) yeah um or how much they were paying her to do it in the 30s no it would have been the 40s at that point 43 yeah I also wonder like what what you know like kind of off topic but like yeah what the what the mindset and the opinions would be around someone doing that they might have just thought that it was uh, you know ingenious or something and not been like well that's a moral issue and blah 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 right right (laughs) I bet that no one really knew because they couldn't really have anything to test it against. And math yeah. is one of the easiest ones to copy because if you copy all the work and everything, like no one's going to be like, oh, that you plagiarized that when you're supposed to do right. it the same way as everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, yeah, she really enjoyed doing that. Um, she also would have other people... She, she actually asked her teachers for more math problems and different things and was really ahead of everything in math. 
didn't really talk about any other subject, but she loved math. <laughs> and her dream was to become a math teacher when she was young. Um, I'm glad that isn't the direction she went in because she eventually goes on to save a lot of lives with her math skills. <laughs> um, so by adulthood, she was already studying engineering in college while simultaneously dancing ballet in the uh, Metropolitan Opera Ballet Company in New York. Uh, she was succeeding in both and had the time and energy for both and loved it. Um, Have you ever had that much energy? No. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. Like, I'm just like, I try to imagine it sounds magical. Right? I I <laughs> wish. I mean, I did dance. I was never great at it. I did it for 17 years. <laughs> and they always shoved me in the back. <laughs> I was the one singing along while I danced in the back, <laughs> forgetting half of my moves. Using that would be me if I if I tried to do actual, like, dancing with structure. It would just be like, yeah. to do. I did the best when we were doing like parades and it was like a continuous line of us dancing the same dance over and over again. So it was like the short like 30 second thing that we just did because by the time you get past that 30 seconds, new people are seeing you. Yeah. So I didn't have to memorize a lot. It was very, and oh my God, guess what song it was to? And it was at Christmas time. I don't know. I don't want a lot for Christmas. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. And then we started. So you heard that like a million times. And we started practicing in September. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. I um, was in marching band, played percussion, but it, it wasn't. It was all like classical music and stuff. It wasn't. I was in Christmas. band. I played the flute. And I was great until my teacher in eighth grade made me learn how to read music. Because I was just playing by ear before then. And then in eighth grade, he I was first chair flute. And he said, you need to do the new music. Like, he would pick a different person to do the new sheet music. And I'm like, I don't know how to read this. <laughs> and he's like, you don't know how to read music. You're first chair flute. And you don't know how to read music. And he taught me, and it ruined me. It all just yeah. seemed like notes. And it didn't sound like music to me anymore. Yeah. I could totally, totally see that. I was first chair flute as well, Whoa. but I, um, I really wanted to play drums, so they wouldn't let me because I was a girl, and so I started like fucking off in class, and so he he put me on the um, the baritone horn as like a, he's like because he knew I lived really far from school, so I had to carry it, and he figured I he was like if you play this, I'll let you know, and you stick to it, maybe we can do percussion, but That's you have to prove yourself. Up. So I, I did, and I got really good at the baritone horn, and then they, he put me on percussion, but he would only let me play the bass drum, which is, of course, really heavy and cuts your shoulders when you're, when you're mm -hmm. you know, because we, we didn't have a nice pad or whatever. So rude. It was like, just, and I, but I still got to do what I wanted. I was happy anyways. How but it, dare you, know, it you took me like two born. years. How you were born. Right. I know. Gosh. Ah, it's all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yeah but basically she um has way more light i don't know energy than i could ever imagine <laughs> right <laughs> and according to her family it never stopped until the day she died like she wow. was always go 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 and learning and teaching and oh my gosh she's just amazing 
I look up to this person. Um, by adulthood, oh yeah, she was studying engineering in college while simultaneously in the ballet. Even though being offered scholarships to go to school for math, she decided her heart was destined for engineering. She wanted to do something with the math, um, and she was very fascinated in aerospace. Um, after two years going to Brooklyn College, she married and moved to California as a junior engineer for North American Aviation while continuing her education at the University of Southern California at night while working full-time during the day. See? <laughs> <laughs> that just makes me tired thinking about I it. I know. <laughs> and this is years, like years of this. Um, she was determined and went through um, a bachelor's of science and a master's of science program. Um, she said the hardest part of all of it was realizing through both her work and school, she was the only female engineer in both her whole school, her whole college every program every class and at work um and she said that was the hardest thing was knowing the challenges of being the only female and by the way yes it said that she married and moved to california but he moved to california for her to get into that program and to go there so it wasn't like she followed him to california (laughs) wanted to add (laughs) that in there um so another supportive man (laughs) nice um, and you have to be to be married to someone that's working and going to school and who knows what else on the weekends, like projects or whatever she was working on because she was. Yeah. Amazing. Plus the fact that doing all of those things means that the way that she thought about being a woman was very different from what anyone would expect a woman to be at that time. So, you know, that's that's awesome. Yeah. And then between, so in, between 1962 and 1982, she became a graduate of UCLA's engineering executive program, which came out after she had graduated with her master's. Um, she continued working with her alma mater as an astronautical engineer advisory board member <laughs> while working, mind you. Like this whole time, she's now an engineer and working with both NASA as well as other programs creating things for NASA. Um, and she's also going to the college and speaking and being part of a board and helping other people get into the field that she's in and is super excited about. Ed. Yeah. Tell, I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but backtracking a little bit on her work history, after graduating from USC, um, School of Engineering in 1957, she went on to work at the Space Technology Laboratories and stayed working there through many name changes until her retirement. Um, In 1980 is when she retired. Uh, Her work included programs such as the Minuteman Missile and the Abortion Guidance System in the Apollo Modules. So what she made was what would allow them to get around um, any technical issues that go on in the space shuttles to help either land or get them home so Mm -hmm. and it ended up being very needed on two on apollo 12 and 13 they had to use her program and that's what saved their lives and allowed them to get back to earth awesome um and that was her baby Um, She and her husband did divorce after having three children in the mid-60s, and she remarried her second husband, Thomas William Black. 
who converted to Judaism for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they had one son together, but his birth is anything but ordinary. At this time, she was still working for um, the Space Center and on the abortion program. And she had taken some work with her when she went into labor at work. Um, she took some work with her because she realized that there were some numbers not adding up. And so she took that, realized that they needed some things fixed while in labor. Mm-hmm. And the space shuttle was out in the sky. <laughs> and she calls the her boss because they're like, oh, we got this. We got this. Like, you go on. Go have your baby. Um, but she got there and realized they don't got this. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So she's in labor, calling them, walking them through getting the astronauts home safe. Wow. And she said, I'm not having this baby until I know that all of this work is complete. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, she did call her other son after she had the baby and said, um, oh, by the way, I fixed that problem with the space shuttle and the abortion program. Um And then she said, oh, and by the way, your brother was born, too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, she she took all her work with her and she went on to do that. Um, So afterwards, um, the um, people that she had saved from her program that they found out that she was in charge of that got them home safely, they ended up having her in, um, brought her in, and the astronauts actually all thanked her for saving their lives and dedicated their lives to her. Um, But yeah, you don't hear about that. No, of course not. (laughs) um, (laughs) In that movie that came out, I'm not remembering the name, but it did mention her, the women behind like the space launches and things like that. Uh, They did mention her in there, but I don't think they mentioned all of this, of how crazy it is. But there were a lot of women. I never never saw that movie. I didn't. It it was on my list, and then I just, you know, like, it has to be free on streaming, and then... And then I forget. Exactly. But after reading this, I'm like, <laughs> I need to watch that now because. Right. Um, but yeah, so she gave birth to her son and his name was Thomas Jacob Black. Um, and you may know him as Jack Black. Do you know Jack Black? Do I know Jack Black? Exactly. No, no you do How do you not? <laughs> I'm, t- I'm kidding. <laughs> It's funny, uh, we were talking about how, like, I was giving Lee hints about who this was about, and Lee's like, I don't know famous people, (laughs) so I'm probably not gonna know. But it's like the one, it's the the one that I would know, I've seen, I've seen Tenacious D live, like, multiple times, I saw BlizzCon, I have a pin on my bag, like, I watch his, mom. yeah, I watch his YouTube videos, which I don't watch hardly anybody's YouTube videos, because I don't have good attention span for videos, mm-hmm. but his stuff is a funny, so, yeah, and his TikTok videos, but, <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's really awesome, and I have to make sure that my uh, son watches this, I won't tell him why, I'll just be like, you have to watch it, because, like, also, because <laughs> she's amazing, <laughs> <laughs> And it's funny because everyone knows He's got that energy, too, though. And his brother... He's, like, nonstop. His older brother brother? is a famous um, engineer as well, like a mathematical computer engineer. Um, Hmm. And he's famous for that. I think I put his name in here. Let's see. No. (laughs) (laughs) So you've got, like, all these engineer types, and then you have Jack Black. Like, I can just imagine he's a little kid always, like, acting out and be like, do 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 
you know. But when you like, I looked up some videos of him talking about his mom, and it's all so sweet and kind. And like he said, she was the best mom and most supportive of whatever they wanted to do. Like they did not need to be engineers for her to be like, oh yeah, you're you're my favorite. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, she was just as supportive as Jack Black as she was of her son that became a computer engineer and. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Um, uh, she did go That's on so to divorce cool. and marry a third husband, David Katz, in the early 80s. They were together until her death in 2016 um, after battling cancer. Um, after her retirement, she went on to write 20 books after founding a publishing company. Hey, there's a theme. <laughs> <laughs> the last person had a publishing company, too. She was loved by so many and was respected by tons and tons of people who knew what she did, um, knew how many lives she saved and what history wouldn't have been made without her. Mm -hmm. And uh, everyone has had like anything I looked up had only kind things to say about her (laughs) and just in as a person and in professional life. Um, men who worked with her who got a lot of credit for the things that she did came out later and there was like documentaries that they did about how their work wouldn't have been possible without her and how just how much they learned from her and that was huge I wish that in the time when she was working they would have said that (laughs) yeah definitely I think like well, I think like mainstream, the engineers, any of them don't get a lot of credit, but I would imagine within the engineering community, that's mm-hmm. really where she was neglected. Yeah. And yeah. And so it never stopped her. She never complained about it. She just said it was sad. Um, and it yeah. wasn't even sad about her. It was sad about women in general not getting credit for these huge, like huge things that they were doing that men's names got put on. Yeah. I would imagine like going through school and all those years and just having an interest that's not traditionally like acceptable for females. Uh, I mean, shit, even just being that specialized and interested in it as a male would be mm-hmm. like a lot of people would be like, mm. but, um, you know, she probably dealt with so many closed doors and like hurdles and negative attitudes and stuff that by the time she actually got where she wanted to be, the things that were sad and disappointing, it was like, yeah, you just be kind of resolved to this is the way the world is, you know. Yeah, and really back then the world was like that in any industry. So it's, I know that people also were used to it and expected it, where mm-hmm. today we're fighting really hard against it. We still, yeah. we still know it's there and we still see it, but it's getting better and we can voice the issues that are going on now. Where back then, if you voiced what was going on, you were cut like yeah so you couldn't even fight against it there were no protections for you being treated differently because you're a female or being paid differently Um, where now we can actually fight against that and see what's going on and have accessibility to other people's pay and understand um, how we're being paid and if it is or isn't fair yeah yeah Um, and just just knowing that anybody can do anything, you know? Yeah. The plumbing doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The amount of times I wasn't allowed to do things as a kid that my brothers were allowed to do is ridiculous. Oh, or my God. they just didn't yeah. think about 
us learning something, but wanted to teach our brothers. Um, yeah. It was just, I like, like, I think we talked about this before, but like I had this dual experience where at my mom's house, I got to learn whatever was like in front of me and my parents actually my mom and her boyfriend actually made sure that I learned things like it was a requirement to get to do things like I think I told you about like getting the mini bike and then uh it was broken and in order to get the mini bike and get to ride it I had to learn how to fix it but I would go to my dad's house and my dad was a mechanic and he would do stuff and I wasn't even allowed to help get the tools for him which at my mom's house I was that was like one of my chores was to hang out while they're working on stuff and give them the tools and hold the light and you know it's never um, held in the right spot <laughs> yeah so like at my dad's it was like like my and my brother's not good at stuff he was just a kind of a monster he's just kind of a nasty person he's like born that way and um he got to do all the stuff that he didn't even want to do. Whereas I was sitting there going, well, I want to do it. I want to let, like, like, let me help you build the thing you're building or, mm-hmm. you know, and it was always like not appropriate to the point. Like when I got into computers, my dad set rules to limit my exposure to computers, even though my stepmom was a computer programmer at a time when not that many women were. Um, but he didn't like that either, you know, and it just is so like, it hurt my brain. I was like, but, but why, you know, cause I, at home with my mom, I could do anything, mm-hmm. you know? I'm glad you never stopped questioning it and you pushed through as an adult to learn things though. Yeah. I, most of my interests growing up, um, were male dominated interests, like riding motorcycles and, and stuff like that. So I just, and I, I would literally go and I think this was partially like the autism, like my obliviousness to social cues that would tell me that I maybe wouldn't be welcome. I just wouldn't pick up on it. And so men would try to control or take over or act like I wasn't good at things. And it's only in retrospect that I'm like, oh, that's what they were doing. I would be like, no, bitch, you don't know what you're talking about and start showing them how to like put the brakes on correctly or do whatever and be completely oblivious to the sexism you know, but now I look back and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I think I handled that fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny because growing up, my brothers were always invited to go fishing with my stepdad, and I was the one really interested in going. Only in the ocean, though. I did not want to go in the lake. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I, it's just boring. Okay. You're just sitting there. I like it's fine for a little while, but you throw most of it back, and it's sad. <laughs> like you're just catching these fish to throw them back. In the ocean, you're catching a couple of fish, and you're gonna feed your family with it for weeks. Um, yeah. My favorite. So usually we went for Dorado, which we called Dum Dums, and I don't know why, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were the saddest to catch though, because you have to like hit their heads with a hammer afterwards to like kill Aww. them. Very sad. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> uh, and then we caught yellowtail, um, and we'd usually do one thresher shark a season. And um, thresher shark, you have to shoot them, which is also sad. <laughs> no. But they can yeah. decapitate you. Their their tails are like super long, and they can literally decapitate you if you pull them into the boat without having them before. Yeah. 
Um, That's interesting. Yeah. And then my favorite, though, was going squid fishing, um, which we would do. Usually the big Humboldt squid would run every couple of years, like the giant ones. The smaller ones would run every year. And I'll post some pictures because I have some of these giant squid I caught. But I went with two dudes, my stepdad and his friend, and I'll post a picture with them in it because they look like iconic fishermen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like yellow raincoat like yeah mustache <laughs> and there i am i caught three and they caught zero <laughs> that's funny they're like man but it's hard yeah. it's like pulling in a parachute it takes like an hour to get that thing in because they're huge um, oh and i know nothing about fishing if that's not obvious i've been fishing once in my entire life when i was like eight and it like it was in a creek and the whole worm on the hook thing and like the skin came off the worm and that was it i was done i like i couldn't you know i would go catch the crawdads but i couldn't i couldn't handle the fish and um never went fishing again and you know i maybe if i had been exposed to the ocean one it would have been more fun because i actually as a kid would have liked hitting them on the head and shooting them so i would have allowed (laughs) you to do that part i'll pull them in (laughs) I would be like, let me do it, let me do it. I, you know, I used to raise meat rabbits for my cat who's mm-hmm. allergic to uh, all other proteins. And I had absolutely no issues with dispatching them. I just made sure it was like humane. I felt like, you know, like a really strong, like appreciation for the rabbits because of what they were providing. But like, it wasn't, that's, that part doesn't, doesn't bother me. And as a kid, I would have been like, oh, can I do it? Can I do it? Cause I was morbid. So <laughs> here's a, uh... I don't know if you'll be able to see it. Ah, my camera sucks, but there's one of the squid. I'll post the pictures, though. Okay. Yeah, because uh, you can only, you can see the jackets, but you can't like, really see. Ah! Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, it is huge. Look at that. What? Yeah, and you have to, That's like, crazy. gaff them before you get them in because their beaks will, like, take your whole hand off. <laughs> so what is that? Is What does that mean? Like, cut so, the beaks off? or? So what you do is you hook them um, on the side of the boat so you don't just pull them in by the thing you you hook them so that you can actually like them before okay uh, before you pull it out because the lure is shaped like this so that when it's in their mouth it pulls and it's like their whole every direction the Um, ocean is (laughs) is spooky and dangerous (laughs) yes it is um i've never hurt a land animal (laughs) (laughs) um i always went fishing and when we would go hunting because i went with them up in idaho when i was um let me see what what day is this going to come out because i'll talk about my idaho trip in one of my episodes i already recorded um but so this one's going to come out oh it'll be the episode before this one so during my idaho trip uh trip it was a sad trip uh, they took me hunting, and they uh, shoot elk, and I pretended that I was a bad shot, and I couldn't get them. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> I didn't want to kill an elk, but I can kill Is a it... squid. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, one of them's not as cute as the other one, so they there's are. some bias there. I can see that. They're cute. <laughs> They're so floofy. I'll eat uh, it. I... I don't think I would have a problem with that as long as I knew the animal was going to be used. It's That's all used. Like, really. 
Yeah, that's really important yeah. to me. They use the fur, they use everything, um, down to the bones and the hooves and everything. Yeah, I and don't as know long as the population teeth. is high. They, yeah, what do they do with it? That's one thing I've never thought about. Like, what do they do with, like, animal teeth? Like, you see it sometimes when they, people use skulls, you'll see the teeth. But what happens, like, if, if they you don't they use, use that everything. Part? <laughs> yeah, but if they grind the the bones up for meal or whatever, then I'm assuming the teeth would be included in that. True, true. That's probably what happened. Better they just kept them as jewelry. <laughs> yeah. Sold them. guessing. I don't yeah. know. They always said they used everything, so I'm just assuming yeah. they did something with them. With my rabbits, I did not use the intestines. That was the only thing I didn't use. And I could have used it to make um, a tripe or whatever, but basically mm-hmm. I would use a dehydrate it and make it into a snack, for. but I couldn't handle the smell. So I, um, I, I composted it. Well, so you did use it if you composted yeah. it. Yeah. I have a worm bin and all that, so. I want one. (laughs) And I think it stays warm enough because, like, composting creates heat, that it stays warm enough that you could have it in Minnesota in the winter. You'd want to bring it into a garage or something. Um, So worms are cold composters. So you can have a little bit of heat in there, but they actually will, like, if if the composting stuff is too warm, they will move away from it and... Um, so like there's certain types of stuff you would not want to compost in large amounts like meat and citrus and onions and stuff like that there's like recommended things you don't want in there a lot um but yeah you would just you just pull it in when it's really really cold and they would be they would be fine in the garage most likely i have a big garage that would work yeah i've been thinking about it they're they're cute and they're little wiggly like and they do cool stuff i you know with the rv i got a composting toilet so like I can actually take the um, the composted fecal matter and give it to the worms, oh, which is really cool. That is cool. Yeah, I'm like, woohoo! I get to poop on the worms. <laughs> eat the worms, eat it, eat shit. <laughs> now I'm gonna say that every time I feed them. <laughs> Better. Yeah, I'll make a video and send it to you. Like, eat shit, worms. <laughs> Tyler told me to tell you that. Exactly. <laughs> Just put it on the box, like a sticker. Eat shit. <laughs> I'll totally make a sticker that says that. Put it on there. <laughs> All right, now I need one for my uh, composting worms, too, of when I have yeah, them. Definitely. They um they started out eating shit because I, I put the way that I um first got them was... I'm not explaining this. The words are not coming out right. But when I had the rabbits, I had them indoors because I was in a populated area. So they were in my garage and I built this like two story uh, hutch with like I used roofing at an angle. So all the poop and pee would go down to a Mm -hmm. gutter and it goes into, you know, goes down into this big ass box that I put underneath the bottom, um, the bottom floor layer Mm -hmm. of rabbits. And in there was just rabbit poop. And then they usually pee like in the same corner. Mm-hmm. Um, so the pee was off in one corner. And I was like, what am I gonna do with all this rabbit poop? Cause you can give it to people. It's amazing fertilizer, but I was having more poop than I could find people to take the poop. Um, so I started putting worms in there 
and I just put like a whole bunch of them and they would like compost it. And then I would be like worm castings, which people really want. And I started giving out like these big bags mm-hmm. of um, worm casting rabbit poop uh, mix. And I got like orchids. People would leave me gifts. They would take the bags and like leave me stuff. And I was like, just bring me cuttings like apple tree branches because I'll feed the feed yeah. the rabbits, you know. So it was cool. I was like, I'm in the middle of like Richmond, California, which is like a very urban city. And I was like doing this like cool farming thing. That is so cool. Fun. I used to have rabbits, but they were pets, not food. Yeah. Yeah. I, I only was attached to the the buck. His name is Mac Daddy. Um, I, I have videos on YouTube that show why he's called that. <laughs> now and, I have uh, to go check. Uh, he was a chinchilla breed and he was very sweet, but the females were nuts. Like when I got him from the guy, he was like, yeah, they have a really bad temperament. So they'll, you need to be careful because they'll probably bite you. Um, they growl rabbits, too. They, and rabbits are like vicious if they're not like, like I had to make sure that Mac Daddy didn't stay with them for too long because when a female rabbit's annoyed, they will like disembowel the male. So and uh, I was scared of them. Yeah, I was scared of them. I was like, I'd, I'd get, wear like big gloves and like to pull them out for breeding and stuff. Like I was like, oh my God. And they were like 14 pounds of like angry rabbit. <laughs> Would they eat their babies too? No, none of them did that. Um, they all felt safe in their environment, so they didn't feel the need to do that. I had one. Thankfully. I had one that would eat her babies because I was breeding them for other people for uh, pets or food. I think mm-hmm. it was more food than pets. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I didn't end up giving a lot of them away because, or breeding a lot of them because this one rabbit just ate all of her babies. Um, there was yeah. one, so Graham Cracker who was named after Graham from my previous episode before this one. Um, she was a wonderful mom. Um, and she had Scooter, who was my least favorite rabbit, the one that would eat her babies, and Axel Rose, who got eaten by my neighbor's dogs. <laughs> no. But, uh, but they were dwarf uh, rabbits. And my first rabbit, though, was a Rex rabbit, and he was also a dwarf Rex rabbit. And he lived forever, like for <laughs> as a bunny. Um, I would take him everywhere on his leash. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah. He, he was pet rabbits are. My understanding, because I've never had a pet rabbit, is that they're you have to know how to coexist with them, mm-hmm. and you need to give them like the right environment and stimuli or stuff. Or otherwise, they become very like temperamental, which is why so many of them get released into the wild, and. If you get a pet rabbit and you don't like it, do not release it into the wild. That's really mean. They're not wild rabbits. My Wednesday episode that is about to post is about that, actually. (laughs) In Florida, they had released some pet rabbits that they didn't want anymore, and now they're overrun with rabbits. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, I've read about that happening in places. I actually read about one of the farming groups where they were... They, they had their outdoor colony and then they were having issues with like somebody had let a pet rabbit out and they were figuring out how to get into the colony. And so they were like, we're getting like these really bunnies that are not the right breed. What's going on here? You know? Yeah. It's like, got to reinforce that colony. I think these ones were lion's head rabbits. So I was like, those are cute. Little fluffies. <laughs> and 
<laughs> some people are like super excited about it and other people are like no get rid of these rabbits <laughs> they're well they're so destructive to the environment they destroy mm-hmm. trees and stuff like it's not it, yeah they're cute but it's not it's not cute it's it's kind of like inviting crows onto your property it's a cool idea until like you realize that they're going to destroy your bird feeders and any pots and plants and you know unless you're making an environment specifically for crows and you don't expect any other (laughs) yeah right (laughs) any other birds to be around uh yeah i've been watching some people speaking of crows uh that taught their pet crows how to steal money (laughs) and they have like drawers of money that their crows have brought them that's random funny I don't know if people are giving it to the crows or if they're like stealing it, but yeah, like where I would be cool to put a camera on them so you could see like what what's going on because they could just be like going up and like yelling at people and, and then they're like here you go you know, getting it yeah uh. but I had a like a resident crow at, on my property when I owned a house and I had a contractor come out to do some work and they were sitting in the back with like a bag lunch mm-hmm. that had a burrito and a soda in it and the crow took the entire bag threw the soda in the neighbor's yard and then ripped up the burrito and it was like all over my yard and it just like did this while like looking at the guy he stole it from they're smart and he was like he knew what yeah he was, doing. he was just like I was like well you must have pissed off like some crow somewhere and this guy found out about it and you know was letting you know that he knew because <laughs> they remember faces so if he if that crow saw that person do something that they perceived as either violent towards other crows or like environmentally violent and they knew that they'll remember you yeah i feel sorry was... for if someone has a twin that's evil <laughs> there did you watch that movie beef no. or is it a tv show um, highly recommend. It's very entertaining. Uh, but they do have like a little sub story about crows remembering people that treat them well versus treat them bad. And it's uh. it's really funny. So, okay, I'll have it's to it's watch on that one too. Yeah. I was surprised. I went to watch it and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, and I was like, no, this is actually, yeah, I'm pretty entertained throughout the entire thing. I just can't remember if it was a movie or a series. I'm going to look it up. I think it's a, I think it's a, like a six episode series beef yeah it's got the guy from walking one, dead one season yeah it's a it's a show like a mini series mm-hmm. this oh yeah that one yeah it was it, it was a lot of fun all right it's a little it stressful saved. but like stressful. in in a, yeah like in a good way you know yeah i get that <laughs> <laughs> Once you get through the stress, then you have the right? reward. <laughs> it's like awkward. I um I have really mixed feelings about watching stuff that's really awkward because I feel the anxiety of the awkwardness, even though it's happening on TV and I'm not actually experiencing it. I still get very like, oh god, you know. It's why yeah. like, yeah, it's like I don't like watching a lot of American TV because um because it relies so much of american tv the plots and the drama stuff rely on people not being honest with one another and if you watch foreign tv a lot of times the stories are based just on other things and lying sometimes happens but it's not the core of it Mm -hmm. and um i whenever i switch from foreign tv back to american tv and then there's a whole bunch of lying happening i get so stressed out and i'm just like oh man i forgot this is why i don't watch a lot of american tv 
you know, there are definitely exceptions and I'm always happy when I find them, but on average, especially if it's drama based, it's, yeah. there's so much lying and it's, it's like, it's awful. That's so normalized. You know? It is. Yeah. And I'm thinking back, like I was trying to think of different shows and I'm like, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and it's normalized in a way where people think that even though we watch on TV and we're like, oh, they shouldn't have done that. They think it's normal to treat other people that way because it's, you know, like media is really powerful like that. It normalizes us to stuff. And then we just, we just do it. And I'm just like, no, I don't know about you, but like for me, like being honest is, is like everything like lying stresses me even like good lies like surprises are really hard for me like I would just rather give you the gift than like I wonder if that's why it's so hard for me to to give I like to be ahead of time and like get the gifts and like have them be meaningful and prepare ahead of time but then once I have it I hate waiting (laughs) it's awful I like I'll tell them I got you a gift. I'm having a hard time waiting, and sometimes that helps. Yeah, like because it's a on. I'm being the honest and it, you about know, it, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, I like my son and I. We don't wait. We just whenever we get the gift, we give it, and it's the day doesn't matter so much as the, you know, so. And I'd rather the other I, person not tell me that they have something for me that they can't give me yet. Oh, I I actually like I like being told because. I am super patient when it comes to receive. You could take a gift, put it in a paper bag on a table in my room, and I won't look at it mm-hmm. because my integrity is everything to me. So, like, um, I've had like exes who knew that, who knew that I was like that, and they would literally leave stuff on their desk, um, knowing that I wouldn't ever see it because I'm not going to go through their stuff. Yeah, and you know, so I I actually kind of love the anticipation. Um, that says a lot of different things about me that you would be right if you're thinking that, but like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's, (laughs) it's, yeah. So for me, but I hate the opposite direction. I hate getting a gift and then having to wait to like give it. So I usually don't wait. Yeah. I, with the kids, I find it easier because especially when it's like a holiday coming up or something, because like I'll wrap it ahead of time and it's sitting there and waiting for them. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it feels a little bit like I already gave it to them and, like, it's already there. But, like, putting gifts under the tree or whatever. Yeah. I didn't – I never had a – I never had the money for a tree, so I never never did that. But um, when, when my son was younger, it was easier to wait. But as he became an adult and I started giving him more thought-out gifts, mm-hmm. you know, like his birthday present in July, which I gave to him in June, but I bought in March <laughs> – I had been trying to buy it for a year before that this artist would sell out within like three minutes of putting more stuff up and I finally got in I was like Rrr. but it was like a mug with like sorry mushrooms on there and then um a pipe with the matching mushrooms and it's just like just really like gorgeous ceramic stuff so I was like I was like yeah I'm gonna give this to you and I have a really good excuse because I'm putting all my stuff in storage and I will lose it so now I get to give it to you early perfect <laughs> Yeah. I love art. I love buying from like actual artists. It just yeah, it feels better. It means a lot more. Now I don't always yeah. do that because I don't have the money for it. If I'm doing a cosplay or something, <laughs> yeah. But if I can, I do. And I used to do a segment on my TikTok um, when I was like really active with being live and things, where I would buy a certain amount of. I think it was like three things a month from artists on TikTok. 
and then I would make videos like when it came in of the items and stuff and I want to be able to do that again when I have the funds because it's nice to be able to give directly to an artist yeah no (laughs) I should do that I should do that I because I do I mentioned to you that I put um part of my patreon like 10% of my patreon goes towards but I have been getting stuff but I haven't I, I'll like share like I got this clown art from an, a fellow clown. Mm-hmm. It's really like cool, really like nice frame and all this stuff. And um, I did share it on Instagram, but I should I should be more active on TikTok for that stuff. I think it's nice, um, and then other people will return the favor to you and share your stuff and just fill yeah. fill TikTok think, with art. Right. I think that was part of what like killed my motivation was that it wasn't going both directions on TikTok. So. I was like, and then when people do like, I mean, I'm sure you noticed when you made a post after you got stuff that the post didn't do as well as your others. And that happens every time somebody tries to share my stuff. It's like, it's really frustrating. So it has made me not be so into TikTok. I'm like, I'm just going to share over here. Yeah, the algorithm is pretty messed up because people like that stuff. And I, I feel like they've never tried pushing it. And yeah. they suppress it when you're sharing other people's things and tagging other people and things. And I feel like if they were to open that up and, like, be really small business and artist-minded, people do really like that. <laughs> With that said, we are going to end this episode. And the other half that we recorded after this segment will air later. We ended up talking for about two and a half hours, so... Don't think you want to listen to us ramble for that long. So I just want to say thank you for being with us on another episode of Frightening Frauen, and we'll catch you in the crow's nest.